knees Oh, and worship at your throne Cause we need you, Lord Yes, we need you, Lord I now, let's sing it one more time Sylvester is not feeling well. The Browns are sick as well. Uh, we want to continue to remember the, the drums, uh, the Smiths. It was good to see uh, Brother Troy and Sister Connie last night, but uh, we don't see them this morning, so we want to remember them uh, in prayer. I uh, want to remember the Jacksons. They're away traveling. Uh, Brother Josh and Sister Kristen are away uh, traveling as well. If you have an unspoken, that's a lot of prayer requests. If you have an unspoken prayer request, just want to make it over my lifted hand. Brother Jonathan, if you'd come. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning once again. Grateful to be able to uh, open the doors and have a seat in the house before your word, Lord. Lord, we ask that you make it real to us this morning. Speak to our hearts. May we have vessels uh, turned up, ready to receive, Lord. May the ground be prepared, Lord, that the seed sets deep in and produces fruit, Lord, for your kingdom. We ask that you be with Brother Barry as he comes out, as he's struggled with his pneumonia. 
this week, Lord, I pray you give him strength in his body. Give him confidence, Father. May he take the word as a pastor would and guide his flock this morning, Lord. May we be attentive and receptive, Lord. Lord, there are many requests that were spoken and many that were unspoken. Dear to your heart that you know every single one of them, Lord. Lord, there are many that are sick and even, Lord, extremely, oh, Lord. And we just bind our hearts together, Lord, and we ask in faith, knowing that you paid the perfect sacrifice already, Lord, and that if we can, our faith could reach out this morning, you said that by your stripes we're healed, Lord. So we claim that, Father, and we just ask that you make it real to each one, Lord, uh, those many requests, Lord, Sister Becky, Brother Keith, the Smiths, the drums, Lord, you know each one, Lord. And you care, and we thank you for that. So we pray that you make it real to us, Lord. Lord, and as a congregation, now we're anticipating your word, Lord. We thank you for being here already with us, so that two or three are gathered in my name. You'll be in the midst, Lord. We're gathering your name this morning, a perfect name, perfect word. Lord, may you just bless us, Father, and may we return all the blessings, all the all the. Um, strength we get from your word this morning to your kingdom, Lord. Be with us. Receive our praise and worship. Bless the song leader. May lead us into a wonderful spirit of praise as we already feel your spirit here this morning, Lord. We just thank you for meeting with us, Lord, and we just pray this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brother Jonathan. Turn and shake hands with those that are around you, and uh, it's good to have... uh, visitors here with us. You may have your seats. Brother Jeremiah is going to come up and sing. If he wants to come now, make his way up. It's good to have Brother Jeremiah Sheffield with us. Um, while, while he is coming, um, just want to remind everybody, we will be having service next Sunday, December 24th. Uh, we will still be having service then. Amen. This is a, an old song. We all know it's it as well. But if you really listen to the verses in this song and you understand the backstory of, of who wrote it, a man who went through many tragedies in his life, and I think a lot of us, as we get closer to the rapture, we can kind of notice we, we start to have little struggles and little things that we go through, and we can get discouraged. But I believe this song really does, it means more to the bride than it would be to a nominal Christian because only truly can we say it as well in our hearts. So. When, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows at sea billows
Amen. I love that song. Amen. Good wish you, Brother Jeremiah. Let's sing um, the kids' choir. Sister Julia, here I'm looking. Sister Julia Clave. Oh. Okay, did it, are we good? Yes, no, I got a note saying yes, we are good. Okay, all right, so, um, so they're going to sing. Okay, so, <laughs> if the kids can make their way up, and while they're coming up, let's sing, um, let's sing Go Tell It on the Mountain. <laughs> Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills, and everywhere.
Amen. I'd ask if you enjoyed that, but I think I already know the answer. That was fantastic. Let's stand. Sing one more um, uh, seasonal song, I'm going to call it. Uh, Let's sing, uh, O Come, All Ye Faithful. O come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. O come, ye, come ye to Bethlehem. Come and be to come at this time, take up the morning offering, and then we'll uh, get ready to turn the service over to Brother Barry.
Brother Tom, if you could say the blessing on the offering. Amen. As Brother uh, Barry gets ready to come, let's sing that song, Falling in Love with Jesus. study God's Word, and uh, we welcome all of you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. Uh, let's begin with a word of prayer, and uh, we mentioned some of the requests. We have several folks that are out, and forgive me if we didn't get everybody's name mentioned. I know Sister Nadia is not here, uh, Ethan and Anna, and um, a couple of others as well. Um, we want to also, if you don't mind this morning, I'd like to ask you to remember Brother Wayne Coffey. And uh, Brother Wayne, no relation to me, at least we haven't discovered yet, uh, but as Sister Karen's father, Brother Wayne was our song leader uh, in, uh, in this church for many, many years, uh, and he was the brother who invited me to come here, so I feel very much confident in saying I probably wouldn't be here without the leadership of the Lord and Brother Wayne. And Brother Wayne's in the hospital today, and he's going to be undergoing open-heart surgery tomorrow at noon and uh, had a stent uh, put in earlier uh, last week and uh, clogged up right away and so they knew they had to go in and do open heart surgery. So uh, I told him today that we would certainly hold him up in prayer together as a church and uh, we want to pray that the Lord will undertake for Brother Wayne. He's a good candidate for this surgery apparently. He's on the scale, uh, someone who is uh, considered to be uh, less complications a candidate for less complications and so forth. So uh, despite all of that, and no matter where you are in the scale, uh, if it's not your time, you know what? Uh, he'll be around. And uh, so we're thankful for that promise. Heavenly Father, as we bow in your presence today, Lord, it's a humbling thing for us to know that we're actually addressing, we're actually speaking to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. 
the God who created this earth and all that is in it. And now in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, we bring all of these requests and petitions before you. And Lord, there are so many that are affected by these sicknesses and viruses that surround us. And Lord, I was listening this week to Brother Branham and how he said that we should be cursing those things because they do not come from God. They just distract and try to inhibit the people of God. And so, Lord, we stand against them in the name of Jesus Christ. And we curse them because, Lord, they come from the pits of hell. And, Lord, in the world we're going to, there'll be none of that. There'll be no, no viruses and no sicknesses and no sorrow. And we're so anxiously, anxiously looking for that place. Father, we pray now, especially for those today that are not among us, and we commit them into your hands. We pray, Lord, especially for Brother Wayne today, Lord, and uh, he's a dear brother and known among many of us. And, Father, we hold him up in prayer this morning and ask, dear God, that you would undertake for him. Lord, I know it would be his prayer and our prayer as well that he not have to go through that kind of surgery, Lord. But, Father, we just commit him into your hands, and that's the very best thing we can do. We ask that you would bring real victory and healing to his body. And we pray, dear God, that you would give him the strength that he needs to carry on. We commit him and Sister Faye into your hands now today with great confidence. Have your way among us, Lord, we pray today. And, and bless this gathering of your people. And we so love to hear your word. And we pray now that you would minister to each and every one. In the precious and holy name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. <clears throat> and amen. Praise the Lord. Well, uh, thank you, musicians. We're going to let you take your seats there, and we're going to go right to the Word uh, this morning without much preamble. <clears throat> I got a little preamble, but not a whole lot. And uh, we're going to go to Luke chapter 21. Appreciated the song service this morning. Just started out so positive and so nice. We appreciated our evening last night, and it was so positive and nice, and uh I got my comeuppance about saying that it was not a Christmas dinner, but nonetheless, I, I'll, I'll handle that. And uh, Luke chapter 21, we're going to read there this morning. <clears throat> Luke 21, Matthew chapter 24, Mark 13 are all chapters that deal with specific end time events and sequences that happen in the end time. And this is when they're asking Jesus about the temple and about things that are going to unfold. And he, he uh, elaborates, and all three of the gospel writers here take time to document what Jesus said in different forms. And Luke chapter 21 is one of my favorites. And in uh, the passage of, of verse 29... Jesus makes this comment, and he spake unto them a parable. He said, Behold a fig tree. How many know what the fig tree is? Israel, right? Always Israel. Behold a fig tree and all the trees. So therefore, all the trees would refer to all the other nations of the world, right? And, and this is a global uh, picture that Jesus was drawing for us. And when they now shoot forth, ye see and know of your own selves that summer is now nigh at hand. So likewise ye, when ye, uh, when ye see these things come to pass, know that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. And verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. 
Well, again, I just want to say we appreciate all the prayers and gifts and concerns and meals and everything else that was done for us over the last uh, couple of weeks, and it's been uh, kind of an interesting journey, but uh, by God's grace, uh, we're here today, and if you don't mind still remembering Sister Becky in your prayers, that would certainly be appreciated. Uh, Just a couple, two things that I wanted to mention here this morning, uh, and that is this, uh, Brother... uh, Brother Shem is here this morning. Brother Shem, God bless you. Good to have you today. But you'll notice his wife, Sister Namsa, is not here today. And she's not here because in the morning she gets really, really sick. I told him it would go away in about nine months or so. Brother Shem, God bless you. Congratulations. And uh, we wish her all the very best. Tell her we miss her. And uh, may God bless you and her. Also as well, uh, on Wednesday night, we're going to change the format of our service just slightly. Uh, We're going to hold part of that service as a prayer meeting uh, because we have a couple of uh, serious requests uh, in our assembly uh, that we want to pray for, and and especially one of them is Brother Keith, and we just want to commit him into God's hands. His situation is fluid, it changes uh, pretty drastically, and so I thought it would be good for us as an assembly uh, to you know, hold him up in prayer, and Wednesday night would formally do that. So it'll be, uh, if, if you're a Wednesday night person, and I trust that you are, and if you've not been, maybe you will decide to become one. Um, I'm, only, I'm only kidding. But if, you, if, you're, able, if you're here on Wednesday night, uh, we're going to take a little extra time to pray for some of these uh, needs that are in the assembly. Uh, as long as we're in these bodies, there will be needs and uh, it, it, does, it, it is a good thing because Brother Branham said we can never, ever pray too much. So it's a good thing for us to remember those needs and the people that are going through difficult times. Uh, <clears throat> we wanted to mention uh, Brother and Sister Davis in uh, Texas and uh, very much a part of our assembly. They don't get to come here very often. Uh, but December 20th is uh, their anniversary and I wrote to them this morning, and they told me this is their 50th anniversary. And uh, that's a real milestone, and, and I just uh, want to send the best uh, blessings and wishes out to them. December 21st, uh, Brother Ben's birthday, and Brother Ben, God bless you. We appreciate you uh, very much. And also Lucas Walter, Walters, Brother Lucas, God bless you. How old are you, Lucas? 12 years old. Wow, wonderful. God bless you. And then Luke... Uh, Luke uh, 23rd, the 23rd chapter is uh, Henry's birthday. Henry, how old are you going to be? Not no, no, we're not sure. Ten years old, right? Wonderful. God bless you. Sorry to throw you off there, Luke. <clears throat> I just really like to keep you on your toes. That's all. I'm, that's all that's for, Brother Jonathan. He doesn't miss any of those things. He. It catches all of that. All right. So let's let's study just a little bit. That be all right? And uh, I say that because I, I just want to try to conserve my voice just a little bit, and we'll see uh, how far we go this morning here. This is a uh, this is a, s- a substantive topic uh, because we find ourselves chosen by God to live in this last day when all of these things culminate. And all of, the, all of the loose ends come together, and all the pieces of the puzzle 
finally find their way into a complete picture. And so we're the kind of people that, that live in the aha moment of what Brother Branham said was a golden age, right? It's a golden age. He said if people really had an understanding and I think a real true spiritual revelation of what was going on in our day, they all would want to live in this particular time. Now, there are certain challenges that come with this time, and we'll talk about those as we uh, go on here, but this is a, a time that God has waited for. This is a time that, even though they don't know what the Jews have waited for, this is a time when the Gentile bride has waited for. This is a time when, uh, you know, all of heaven and all of the Gentile bride that's gone before us, uh, they've all waited for this time because they, without us, are not made perfect. And then you think about everyone whose name was on God's book, you know, Jew and Gentile, all from the previous ages and the 4,000 years prior to Christ. All of that, you know, is, is all of those people through those ages all are waiting for this culminating event, this culminating moment. You think about, you know, Adam from the very beginning and the promises that he was given. And now here we are living at the windup of all of that. I mean, it truly is an exciting time. And as I told you, there are powers in the earth and Israel and the Gentiles and the, uh, you know, the bride, the church. Everybody has a part to play. Everybody's affected whether you like it or not. We're here. We've arrived. And you know what? You've got to be sure that you are sensitive to the Holy Spirit about where he's leading you and what he wants you to do and what he wants you to know. Because there's, we're, we're inundated with lots and lots of information that doesn't matter. We are, I remember when uh, one of my boys, was, Andrew, was working at the White House, and I, uh, we were talking, just talking about the amount of things that happened there one day. And I was just <clears throat> asking him, I said, if you don't mind, I said, uh, I don't really want to know everything that's going on there. And I know you're not allowed to say everything that's going on there, but just tell me the stuff that matters. And uh, I feel the same way today, that there's so many things that are happening in the world. I often pray, Lord, shield me from so much that doesn't matter, but reveal to me and place in my heart the things that do. And, uh, you know, I think we are really, really blessed because no other age had a prophet have, have all of their words recorded and handed to us so that we can know exactly what God specifically wanted us to say and, and to hear in this last day. I think we're really blessed to have that. And I was listening on Wednesday night. I appreciated Brother John taking the subject in the third poll. And, uh, you know, we'll have to, we'll have to kind of uh, uh, give him another uh, extension on that one because I, I, there was so many wonderful things. And just be, putting events together and, and seeing how uh, we've evolved over these last 50, 100 years and come to where we are. I mean, it's, it's an exciting thing. And uh, very few ages have had such... Uh, careful documentation about he said exactly this and he said exactly that and then this happened and that happened and something else happened and it makes sense doesn't it it's an exciting time and you don't have to be intellectual or uh, you know a genius a bible scholar in order to figure it all out God doesn't depend on that and God doesn't use that God gives us revelation and so we should be praying for revelation more than anything else that I know of and seeking perfect love because that's the thing that you're going to have to have to make it in. And so we, we have used this scripture here of, the, uh, of the, the scene that Jesus paints. He said, I'm the true vine and my father is the husbandman. Well, if God's involved in the business of planting, harvest is important to him. Right? If, if he's likened unto this, then, then harvest is where it all you know, uh, pays off. 
Harvest is where it all comes to pass in the end. And every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that, he bear, that beareth fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. So every, when I was looking for a little symbol of the husbandman here, you'll find every true uh, Old Testament picture of a husbandman with a cutting instrument in his hand because the pruning brings forth more. And so when there's production in the plant, the, the, the husbandman is going to want to prune that to bring forth more. That's how it comes. And so there's always that process going on in our lives as well, that God will uh, cut out things that don't matter, cut back things that maybe you wanted to hang on to, but still he's, he's desiring to bring something out that he knows is there, and he has a process in order to get it done. Are we making sense? And he says in the last verse, I'm the vine, ye are the branches, and he that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me uh, you can do nothing. Now, I was asked an excellent question this week at, uh, in relation to this series, and I'll read you the question here and I'll deal with it uh, this, just in a couple of slides here. Uh, on your messages on the harvest time, we are, in the, uh, we are in the winnowing phase of the harvest, correct? On your message on the harvest time, we are in the winnowing phase of the harvest, correct? I don't hear much about the gleaning but are we not still looking for the last seed, which I would think is gleaning? Or is there an overlap? I thought that was an excellent question. Yes, we are in the time of gleaning. And we are waiting for the last seed to come. And they will be gathered out of the field of the earth and uh, come into the uh, kingdom. And, of course, then the bride will, uh, will go. But everyone has to be included. Everyone has to be a part of that, right? We're not going to go without, uh, like, uh, you know, God taking a bride home without a finger or without a, a hand or a foot. Uh, the whole bride will be there. And so I believe that's what the Holy Spirit is doing now. It's not a worldwide revival like Brother John talked about, uh, you know, back in the days of the healing revival when God was shaking uh, the trees and getting the attention of everybody on the earth, that God is still alive. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he's still a healer, still a miracle worker, still a savior. He's still as much alive as he was on the day of Pentecost. And after 1,900 years, God proved that again, undoubtedly, in the last days. Do you believe that? And, and so we have, we have had great shaking, great revivals. And, uh, you know, you might think, well, hey, you know, we, we've got a, a revival here in a church meeting of six or seven, 800 people or whatever else. Uh, yeah, that's true. But when you go back to the times of John Wesley and, uh, you know, uh, uh, Zwingli and, uh, you know, uh, Jonathan Edwards and those people, let me tell you, they'd have a meeting and they'd have 10,000 people there, 15,000 people there. I mean, it was just incredible uh, the kinds of crowds that they would gather. Uh, and, and in Brother Ram's meetings over in South Africa and, and the, the crowds that were there, it was just absolutely amazing. And we're at the top of the pyramid now, right? And so things are narrowing down. So I made this uh, statement in 1960 where Brother Branham said, now when I started years ago in the harvest with the gifts, he said it's combed the nation and the harvest is already reaped in. Remember, the harvest is a season. It's not an event. It's not a day. So within the harvest season, there's a number of things happen, right? So in the days of Boaz, for instance, the, the, the harvesters would go out through the field and cut down the main crop. But they were ordered by commandment to leave the corners of the field for the poor among you, right? So that's a part of the harvest, isn't it? It's all part of the harvest. And they were to glean or go through and gather all the leftover parts that were not cut down by the harvesters. And the winnowing was actually the separating. 
So whether you're winnowing individually like uh, Ruth did, or whether you're a harvester who's got a great big field full and separating, that separating time goes on for everybody. So there's multiple things that are happening uh, in the end time. Just like uh, in, in the days we live in, there's a shout and a voice and the trump of God. It's all called the end time, isn't it? And it isn't, it isn't just one particular day. It isn't one particular hour. There are multiple things that are going on. So let me read again. I just got a couple of statements here. And uh, now Brother Bram said we're going back across the field over stubble, picking up a grain here and there wherever we can. And if they could rejoice when the harvest began, what ought we now when the harvest is over? So in other words, we're at the end of the end. We're at the end of that harvest cycle. And winnowing time is here. Winnowing is separating, right? You glean and then you winnow. You harvest and then you winnow. You separate. And he said that's separating the chaff. And this is a time. Then how can you hold your peace? He said this is winnowing time. When you beat the husk off the wheat, that's the time uh, when it's coming. So here's the scripture in in Ruth. And uh, Ruth and Naomi are talking here now. And she says, so she gleaned in the field until even and beat out that which she had gleaned. And it was about an ephah of barley. So this is what Ruth did. She went into the field after the harvesters uh, were gathered, uh, gathering the grain in. And she uh, took from the corners the leftovers in the field. And she separated that out. And her mother-in-law said, where hast thou gleaned today? And where thou, and where wroughtest thou? Blessed be he that take knowledge of thee. And she showed her mother-in-law with whom she had wrought and said, the man's name with who I wrought today is Boaz. And so there was a connection between Ruth and Boaz. And Naomi said unto her, the man is a near kinsman to us, one of our next kinsmen. So uh, this is the will of God. You know, she had come right into that place of, of Boaz's field. And so she kept fast by the maidens of Boaz to glean unto the end of barley harvest and of wheat harvest and dwelt with her mother-in-law. So she was gleaning in the field, and winnowing is that process of separation that goes on. And I believe that today what we're experiencing is now that ingathering of the bride of Christ. And the bride comes to Christ like Ruth came to Boaz's field. The bride comes to Christ, right? And they come face to face with the word of the hour, and there's a separating that goes on in that process, right? Is a separating that goes on. And God's looking for the precious fruit of the earth. He's looking for that harvest. He's looking for a specific product. And Brother Branham said, so we just sane, sane like with a net. He says, until the last one is saned out. So whether you're winnowing with a basket or whether you're saning with a net, you're, you're gathering in and then separating and then Jesus will come. And how do we know who they are? Just throw the gospel net and draw it. But we're doing that until the last one comes in. When the last one comes in, it won't be our determination. I believe it'll be his, and he'll know exactly when that bride is complete, and that's when all of the bride will go. And he said, in God's provided place of worship, he said, and this world must soon come to an end. And I believe the Holy Spirit is gleaning in the fields, finding this one and that one, for the hour is far spent. How many would agree? The gospel has been preached to every nation, and now at the end time, there's a great warning amongst the elect, the elected people of God. There's a great warning amongst us to find what is right. You know, there are, there's people who will tell you, well, you need to be this and you need to be that and you've got to be like this church and you've got to be like that uh, group over here and we had to react like this and we've got to dance like this or whatever else. Brother Bram said the great warning amongst elect is to find what is right. Not somebody's theory. 
But to know what is truth, what the Bible says is the truth. As long as God gives me breath, and as long as I'm your pastor, I will turn you back to the word every time. By God's grace. Because my opinion really doesn't matter that much. And no offense, but neither does yours. Neither do, neither do we need to have another minister's opinion or validation or approval or vindication. And I'm not being, I'm not being uh, uh, sarcastic here or anything like that. Let me tell you, we're safe as long as we stay with the word. If the Holy Spirit is leading us, he leads us according to the word. You don't have to be anything other than what God made you to be. We live in a time where things are cracking up. They're changing. The world's falling apart. Hey, there's all kinds of things going on. There's good, bad, and indifferent out there. All kinds of things. And some of it is happening so fast, it's hard to keep up with. Some of it is happening in a way that people can easily get discouraged by it if we're looking at the wrong thing. But I will tell you what. The Holy Spirit has chosen you to live in this last day. And therefore, he must have somehow given us the capacity to understand and endure in this last day so that we make it to the goal that God has determined. What you need to do is to continue to follow. What you need to do is not try to interpret and figure out, not be influenced by this or that, not be pulled by this or that. Brother Bram said, the thing that you want to find out is what's right and follow that with all your heart. Does that make sense? That's what I would encourage you to do. And, you know, it doesn't matter what age you are. It doesn't matter, uh, you know, what station of life you're at, whether you're old or young. It doesn't matter. You just need to find out what's true and follow that because everybody's going somewhere in this harvest time. You're going to one pile or another, right? And everybody's got, uh, everybody's going to be affected by this. You can't opt out of this. You can't say, oh, no, I'm just going to take a pass here. I'm going to wait for a better time. I wouldn't do that if I were you. I would make sure I'm lined up in the right line. I make sure I'm in the right place where God wants me to be. And God is actually gleaning and separating and he's sorting it all out. And sometimes it happens, you know, we scratch our heads and wonder why, why this happens and why that movement springs up and why, uh, you know, certain influences are there. Hey, you know what? It really doesn't matter. What matters is that we stay with the word. And that may sound like a very simplistic and a very common statement that we make. But I'm going to continue to make it until we get out of here because I find that's the safest thing. And you know what? I believe that God meant what he said and said what he meant in giving us this message in the last day. And I believe that after all of the years since it's been preached, it hasn't changed one iota. It's still exactly the same. And to me, I'm betting, the forgive me the expression, I'm betting the whole farm on the fact that this message is right. I'm putting everything on the fact that this word is true and it's right, and that's what I'm following. And if you want to follow, come on along. I believe there's room for the bride of Christ for sure. And so our, uh, my, to me, my passion is to find out what's truth, what's right, and what did God really mean, and what did God really want of us, and what did God really say, and what did God really intend. I want to know that, and I want to uh, preach that. I want to declare that uh, in whatever way God's given me voice to do it. And we know that uh, God was faithful. He promised all of this to happen. He promised all, he predicted all of it to happen, to be a shout and a voice and a trump in the last day. And it would all unfold in its season. 
And God would have uh, not only th- this, this sequence, but he'd also have three pulls of uh, Brother Bram's own ministry where, like Brother John described, he went from one phase to another to another and, uh, you know, just growing in, in uh, maturity and growing in depth all the time uh, as we come through there into the third pull. And he said that that third pull would remain, it would be with us and among us, it would operate different, different ways in different seasons. And he says when it comes to uh, like the, the squeeze that would come, which he doesn't describe a great deal, but he says when it comes to that, he said, you watch what's operated in part. Well, now be operated more in its fullness when we come to that season. Hey, let God do those things. You don't have to produce it. God doesn't say, look, when you get it all figured out, then go act like the bride. He doesn't do that. He's got seasons for everything. And let him fulfill that. Let him perform that. Just let him use you in the season that you're in. And uh, oh my goodness, it's so wonderful. He's taken the load off our shoulders to try to produce something or become something that we're not ready for. God knows exactly what he's looking for. He's the husbandman who's looking at the field and looking for something. And it'll grow. It'll come. And don't try to pressure yourself or feel bad. Well, I'm not like this or we're not like that church or we're not like that minister or something else. Hey, don't worry about that. God knows exactly where you are. Do you believe God knows where you are? You should let the fear part just dissipate. Just let it go and say, well, if I'm, if I'm on the Lamb's Book of Life, he's obligated to me. If, I, if I'm a member of the Bride of Christ, you know what? He knows exactly where I am. I will guarantee you, I knew where Sister Becky was all the time in the days before we got married. I knew where she was all the time. And if I didn't know, I'd find out. I mean, I was, I was pretty particular. I was the manager of a printing company uh, back in my day when we were courting. And uh, I, I arranged it so carefully in my house, in, in, my, in our business, in the, in the company, that uh, I arranged everyone's work schedule and lunch schedule so that I could get off in time to get home to meet the mailman coming up the driveway so I could intercept her letters before my family got her letters because they'd read her letters before I got them. Hey, I didn't leave anything to chance. I certainly didn't leave anything to my family. My goodness, you don't know my family. And I, uh, I, I found out pretty quickly I needed to get there with the mailman and make sure to, you know, at the door, hey, hey, buddy, how are you doing? And, you know, take the letters, throw the rest of them away and just take Sister Becky's letter. I knew, where, I knew what was happening all the time and I, I took great care. This wasn't a casual thing. I knew this is, hey, this is it. This is the real thing. This is love at first sight. This is, the, you know, hey, this is what I prayed for. This is what I waited for. Out of my way. I'll kill you. I, I guess I, sh- I shouldn't say that in the pulpit, I guess. Sorry, guys. Sorry. We're good. Love you, buddy. So, it is, it, is a, a, you know, it is something that when you think about it on a, on a more mature scale here, uh, you think about how God cares about the bride and how, how he watches over her. It's, it's not, a, it's not a, a fluke. It's not a coincidence that uh, you know, we make it into heaven. He's got it all planned out. And we do not need to worry about, about things that uh, you know, we, maybe we don't see something happening or Maybe, uh, maybe we feel like we're missing out on something. You'll miss out on nothing if you're the bride of Christ. Amen. Stay sensitive to God. Stay open to his will and 
follow his word and you know, pursue truth with a passion. That's what Brother Bram's telling us here. And so I think it's really important for us to do that. Let's go back to Luke 21, but let's read it in the common Jewish Bible. And this, is, uh, this was really great because uh, obviously this was uh, the, the Jewish people who were asking Jesus about events that come. But now Jesus is including Gentiles in this. And so that must have been a really strange thing for the Jews to hear how he said it. And this is Luke 21, verse 25. So follow me if you like in your Bible there. There will appear signs in the sun, the moon, the stars, and on earth. Nations will be in anxiety and bewilderment at the sound and surge of the sea. It's really true. The nations will be in anxiety. What that word anxiety means is that they'll be like running down an alleyway, assuming this is the way out. This is the way I'm going to escape. I'm going to take this turn and go down an alleyway. And when they come down to the end of the alley, there's three walls there. There's no way of escape. And that's what that word anxiety means in the Greek language. So Jesus said the nations are going to be, uh, they're, they're assuming they're going to have a way to figure this out or get out of the calamities that are coming upon the earth. And all of a sudden they get down to the end of the alleyway and they realize they're wrong. There is nowhere to go. There is absolutely no, nothing to do now but scratch our heads and try to figure out what do we do. And that's a people in darkness. That's a Laodicean darkness, right? As people faint with fear at the prospect of what has overtaken the world, for the powers in heaven will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with tremendous power and glory. And when these things start to happen, stand up, hold your heads high, because you're about to be liberated. Somebody say amen. amen. We're about to be liberated when you see all of this happening. And I believe we're beginning to see these things happening in the earth. You know, when you, whether you look at, uh, you know, the seas and the tsunamis that take place or uh, whether you look at, you know, the changes in nature. And this is what the sixth seal is all about. Uh, you know, it's just amazing how all of this is happening and the people in the world looking at it. I mean, they gather from all over the world and try to figure out in, in uh, uh, global warming conferences how to fix this. And they're running down an alleyway. And they come to the end of it and they realize we haven't fixed anything. We thought we had it all under control until we don't have it under control. They thought we had a way out until they realized they don't have a way out. And we're looking at all of that taking place in the world here. But in that hour, somebody's going to be liberated. Glory to God. Somebody's going to be liberated. How many of you feel like you're a part of that group? That's going to be liberated. You're going to be liberated out of your body. You're going to be liberated out of this world. You're going to be liberated out of, your, out of this sinful condition that we live in. And then he told them in a parable, look at the fig tree. Indeed, all the trees, all the nations of the earth. And as soon as they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves that summer is nigh. And in the same way, when you see these things taking place, you are to know that the kingdom of God is near. You are to know that. Everybody else doesn't know it. You are to know that. And yes, I tell you that this people will certainly not pass away before it's all happened. And heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will certainly not pass away. Glory to God. And so what are all the other trees doing? Well, it's interesting. And, I, you know, I'm going to take a little more extensive time on this. Uh, but this was a headline that appeared. And you can actually go to this particular website, and I'll give you the address on the next screen, where you can do a UN watch. I mean, if you had absolutely, absolutely nothing better to do, you could go to watch what the UN is actually doing. And recently they passed eight, uh, sorry, there's actually 15 condemnations of Israel. 
and they condemn no one else in the world for any atrocities or wrongdoing or uh, human rights violations uh, of any kind over the last 50 years. You know, they, have, they haven't done this, but recently they just passed these 15 resolutions condemning Israel. And so in the UN Watch website, uh, this, is, this was a, a commentary that was given by a Jewish politician after these resolutions were passed. Okay, so this is not the UN. This is a Jew who's saying this. The only purpose of these eight lopsided condemnations is to demonize the Jewish state. Now remember now what we're talking about. Jesus said, behold a fig tree and all the trees. So you have Israel and you have everybody else. Okay, what's everybody else saying? Let's look. The world should not be deceived that these resolutions advance the cause of peace or human rights in any way. While France, Germany, and the other EU states are expected to support the estimated 15 resolutions against Israel, the same European nations have failed to introduce a single resolution on the human rights situation in China, and you can stop there alone in China. The human rights violations Hey, I could tell you the human rights violations against the, the believers in China. It's, it, I mean, it's rough. It is really quite rough in China. They're still having to, uh, you know, having to watch themselves very carefully over there. And in Venezuela, and in Saudi Arabia, and Cuba, Turkey, Pakistan, or 175 other countries. Human rights violation. But you know what the UN says about all of them? Nothing. They say nothing about any of it, and they're leveling 15 resolutions against Israel and all voting in unanimous support. One of today's resolutions drafted and co-sponsored by Syria. Now, this is the irony of ironies, okay? This is the irony of ironies. One of the resolutions is drafted by Syria, the good government in Syria, falsely condemns Israel for repressive measures against Syrian citizens in the Golan Heights. It's obscene, said Newar, who's the guy commenting. The resolution condemns Israel for holding on to the Golan Heights and demands Israel hand the land and its people to Syria. Stop. I might remind you of a couple of years ago when Syria used chemical weapons against its own people, mustard gas. Remember the Russians stepped in and said, hey, don't worry, we'll take over. We'll make sure everybody acts correctly. And uh, the world condemned Syria for that. You know, they, uh, there was an outcry against Syria and so forth. But now here's Syria coming back and saying, uh, after the Syrian regime has killed half million of its own people, how can the UN call for more people to be handed over to Assad's rule? You talk about ironies. You talk about, uh, you know, the paradoxes here. And, and what are the other nations doing? What are all the other trees doing? One thing is for sure. I mean, China's bent on ruling the world, and Russia has its own agenda and all the rest of it. Uh, you know, the European nations all moving in a certain direction here. And we could take time and look at that, and we'll look at some of it as we go forward here, and the economies and how, uh, you know, all the, different, all the different movements in the world are, are fulfilling prophecy in one way or another. But here's one thing, according to the book of Zechariah, that is common to every nation, that is consistent and is actually being fulfilled as we speak here, they all are prophesied to come against Israel. And what you're looking at here is this day, this scripture is fulfilled. You're looking at a fulfillment of how the nations now, unilaterally, they act as one unit to condemn Israel over and over and over and over again and ignore the atrocities that are happening in the rest of the world. It's as if they don't matter. 
And it's not for the cause of human rights. And it's not for the cause of uh, protection of its citizens. It is because the Bible prophecies dictate this is what all the other trees are going to be. That's the attitude of all the other trees. All the other nations. And so you're living in a time when all of this... And Jesus ends this little parable in Luke 21 here by saying, when you see all of this, he said, lift up your heads because your redemption draweth nigh. And so this is a... Uh, the, to me, this is a, a, a really uh, a sobering thing when you look at this because so much scripture is actually being fulfilled. Brother Bram said the Romans in that day were looking for a Messiah, a politician, and they wanted someone to come down from Jupiter with a chariot of fire and so forth and beat down the Greeks. And the Greeks wanted the same kind of Messiah. And, and he says all of this strategy so they could beat the Romans. And the Jews are looking for a general, some man that would come with a rod of iron, a lion of the tribe of Judah was going to rule the nations, run Rome out. But watch now. Here's a, here's a principle that I want to give you. When he come exactly the way the scripture said he would come. But they were looking for him in a different way. Okay? There's enough knowledge here. There's enough understanding that there has to be, there has to be an end. There has to be some sort of a climax to this. And the Jewish people and the people around who, who were uh, contemporaries of the Jews in the days of Jesus, they, they we're talking about the first birth of Jesus here. They knew exactly that something would come, but they were looking for it in a different way. They were looking for it according to their own teaching or their own interpretation, right? Now, that's, this is not unusual. This is not, this is not strange here because they knew something was going to happen, but they had it figured out it was going to happen this way. And, and human, nature, human nature causes us to think that way. That, that's, that's not unusual. This is not, this is not a new thing here. That the, 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 the Pharisees had it one way, the Sadducees had it one way, the Romans had it one way. And, uh, you know, they, they, were all, they were all realizing that something was going to happen, but, you know, it's going to happen in our, in our denomination, or it's going to happen in our, under our interpretation. It's going to happen the way that we got it figured out. And they were looking for him, but they were looking for him in a different way. It's a very, very important thing here now, Brother Bram's saying. And he said, I wonder if it wouldn't be the same thing today. So in other words, there's a lot of people who read their Bible and understand something's got to give, something's got to happen, but I've got to figure it out it's going to happen this way. And that's the trap you can fall into. You can, you can assume that it's going to happen this way because this is the way I've always heard it. And that's why I say I'm so glad we've had a prophet in the last day because it takes your thoughts and drops them into the file where they should be. Because our thoughts don't matter here. What matters is what the word says about the second coming of Christ. And he says, if he would come, and if we wouldn't think that, he said, we have our own ideas about what it would be. Again, what, what house will you build me? Going to Shreveport this week, and he said, uh, we're going out there with Brother Jack Moore, and he was good friends with Jack Moore. And he said, the message, I think, kind of baffled him a little bit. And he said, especially on some of those things we hold dear and believe that uh, come through to us in the opening of the seals and serpent seed and internal security and so forth. Uh, you know, uh, Jack Moore is a very good fellow, very sincere fellow, and wanted to have unity, wanted to have, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the body of Christ come together very much in the last day because there were so many segmented groups back then. And we're Methodists, and we follow Jack Cole, and we follow Billy Sunday, and we follow William Branham, and all of this kind of thing. And so there's all these different groups there. Brother Bram said, now we don't think this is hard, but you've got to open your heart to truth. We don't think this is hard. <coughs> he 
He said, but you have to open your heart. And we believe that we're living in the end time, and it's so real to us that we're just living at the end of the road. So in other words, now, like I've said to you many times, Brother Bram's either really right or he's not really right. But he's pretty convinced there he's got an understanding of what's true because he's not, he's not using his own intellect to figure this out. An angel keeps coming to him and pointing to the Bible and saying, this is that, and this is this, and this is something else. And telling him what to say, even telling him how to say it. He said, I want you to say it this way. And what he's doing is making sure that we don't have a wrong expectation. He's making sure that we don't have a wrong understanding. He's making sure that by hearing the right thing, we're going to be moving in the right direction. That's what's, that's what's critical. So just like the first coming of Christ, the coming of the Messiah, there was an expectation. And Brother Ram said the Pharisees believed that you know, God was going to roll down the golden staircase and come down and, and invite all the Pharisees to be a part of that. But the reality was quite different, wasn't it? The reality was something so bizarre in terms of what they had expected. It was bizarre in, only in, in comparison to what they expected. When you look at these two scenes, there's nothing similar at all about them, right? And so it's bizarre in the sense of its comparison. But when you look at uh, the reality, well, you can go back in Scripture and find out, yeah, that is exactly the way that God described. He would come lowly, and he would come meek, and he would come, uh, you know, as a savior of the world in this, in this form here. And uh, unto us a son is given, a child is born. and all, Yeah, you know, it fits. It fits. But not in comparison to what the expectation was. So the trap is the expectation, isn't it? The reality is often quite different. All right, now hold on to that. Brother Branham said, now how many wise men were in Babylon studying astronomy? When them uh, stars lined up and a, and a sign that the Messiah was on earth, they believed it and the rest of them didn't see. They were in the right constellation. Listen now, they were in the right constellation. But they saw them in the way God presented them to them. So in other words, you can be reading the right Bible and you can be uh, you know, researching the right thing and asking the right questions even in, in, the, in the time that they're living in. But they're only going to see it the way God presented it. So there's a lot of, you know, Brother Branham often said that Jesus didn't argue. And he said, uh, neither do you have to argue. Because a lot of people are sincerely looking at something because that's the way God presented it to them. And there's really not going to be, uh, you know, butting heads is only going to prove who's got the harder head. Right? And so therefore, arguing with a lot of people is probably not going to change a whole lot because they're still going to hold on to what they think God's shown them. They're going to hold on to what their interpretation is. It's revelation that's going to make the difference, not your ability to argue with people or to outword them or outmaneuver them or outscripture them. Uh, it's so frustrating, you know, when you take an argument on the Godhead and for every scripture you give them, they can give you one back, right? It's so frustrating because, uh, you know, there's no shortage of scriptures that relate to, uh, you know, different interpretations of the Godhead. But you know what solves the matter is revelation. And so I think it's important for us to make sure that we uh, don't get embroiled in arguments and even arguments with people who profess to follow the message because we see what we see by the grace of God and they see what they see because that's the way God's presented it to them. Doesn't always mean that we're right. If God's revealed things, it's going to be according to the word of God. And yes, you know, it's going to be correct. 
But there are things that all of us need to continue to open our minds to and our hearts to because we don't know everything. I believe if you had a perfect understanding in your heart, uh, your body probably wouldn't be able to take it. You'd be gone. But we're still in the process of growing in grace, aren't we? Still in the process of learning. Still in the process of discovering the things that uh, God wants us to know. And there are seasons for everything. Is everybody following me this morning? I, I, I don't have a lot of volume, all right? But I have, I have content. It can only be seen in the way that God presents it to you. And if it's presented to you outside the continuity of the Bible, then it's not God telling you that. So here's where sincerity really doesn't matter. It's good, but it really doesn't matter because uh, being really sincere uh, doesn't displace revelation. I said being sincere doesn't displace revelation. I've seen some people who are pretty sincere in the world who are pretty wrong and believe in wrong things. But nonetheless... It, 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 we have to depend on how God presents it to, so, to us. So in other words, we should be praying. We should actively be praying and asking God, Lord, you're asking, you're, you've never asked us to figure it out. You've never asked us to interpret it. But Lord, give me the revelation of the right interpretation. Give me the revelation of what I need to know in the hour that we're living in. Because the people who were living in the days of the first coming of Jesus, they had all kinds of assumptions made. And it was because of the way that God had shown them. And I, Brother Bram said, I wonder, could it be the same thing today? And it absolutely is. All right. <clears throat> so let me, just a couple of more statements here, and then I'm going to switch, and we're going to become very graphic here. And all the things that God hasn't done down through the ages, he's now doing. All the mysteries that were sealed up, now they're becoming real. They're becoming unveiled. And in that last day, the seven seals being opened, he said, was to pick up every straggle or loose end that's been left off and make the whole thing a great big body of the bride. And then we'll live back there. It was not perfect uh, until this church be perfected, the bridegroom in the last days to bring them all in and all be taken up together. That's one sentence. That last paragraph's one sentence. That's, that's a rough sentence to kind of embrace in one, one saying. So let me break it down a little bit for you here. Now, you'll notice over here in the bottom here, I got this little... Uh, this little uh, uh, note here. That's for me, okay, because I forget. <clears throat> Several years ago, we went to Czech Republic. And I know Ethan Pritchard was there. I think Lucas was there. I think uh, uh, somebody else was there. Peter, uh, I don't know. No. And we went, we went on an, uh, a little side trip when we were there for the meetings. We went to a little side trip, right, in the valley where the Moravians were. Were you on that trip? No, okay, it's a different trip. And I've been there a couple of times. And they, Brother Zalish took us to a valley. And it was a valley with really steep sides on this, on this uh, mountain. And it was just, uh, the Czech Republic is a lot like Virginia. It's a beautiful place. And it had, has lots of little valleys and things. And, and he brought us down in this little uh, place. It was like a, almost like a crack or a nook. And it was grassy and tall walls around the side. And he brought us down there, and I thought, Why, where are we going? What in, what in the world is this? And we got in this little place here, and he said, I don't know if you can feel it. He said, but this is where the early original Moravians came to meet. And he said they came to meet here because they were, uh, they were a very uh, prayerful group of people, and they loved to worship God, but they were condemned and harassed by the local government and especially the local churches. 
and they ran them out. They burned down their churches and ran them out of their communities, and they didn't want to have the Moravians around at all. They were in the beginning of it. Now, you can go down to Winston-Salem, and you can, uh, in, the, in the visitor center, in the, in the uh, Winston-Salem area downtown, you can see pictures of the Moravians that came from that particular valley and uh, settled in this area and uh, in, their, in their establishment of, of different Moravian churches. And they came and they found, they found uh, you know, friendly grounds in, in uh, North Carolina and Virginia and moved out west and actually were in Alaska and different places uh, where they traveled. And what was interesting is that when we were over there in, in that little uh, place in that little valley, Brother Zalish told me, he's the senior pastor over there, and he said, he said they would gather in here and he said they would just, uh, because they had uh, you know, high walls, they could be protected from people who would spy on them. And they would gather together and they would just sing and worship softly, but they would just gather and, and have services there and preach and, and, and just uh, praise the Lord. And eventually the persecution became so great they were run off and uh, run out of Czech Republic and there's very, few, uh, se- there's very little semblance of the, of the Moravians still there. <clears throat> now you had to think about those people back in that day. And they're thinking, wow, we got a burning revelation in our heart that Jesus Christ is real to us. And you know we want to worship him, we want to sing. We just want to gather and, and, and be able to tell God how much we love him as a congregation. We want to do that. And they were harassed and, and, and persecuted and burned at the stake. There's pictures of John Huss uh, over there, who drawings of him burned at the stake during that time. There's a little museum that's erected over there and it has uh, statues of, of John Huss and the people who died with him just because they were Moravians and just because they loved the Lord. No great big movement, no headquarters, just this little valley place where they gathered together. Now read the quote again. Brother Branham said, And in the last day the seals being opened was to pick up every straggle that's been left off and make the whole thing in one great big body of the bride. Them that live back there and was not perfect until this church be perfected. This bride group in the last day to bring them, bring them in. In other words, the bride group's perfected brought in, now the whole body can be perfected together and brought together and all together taken up. And I believe in that group will be those group of Moravians and people, people like them who never had an organization, never had a system, never had a, you know, an identified leader for, per se. And you know, they were scattered and, and tossed about. They, they, they wandered in the earth and they were just good Christians, good believers and probably never figured out where do we fit in it all? We're, we're, what's our part in all of this? And Brother Bram's saying that one day God's going to bring all that group together, all those little groups together. And I think about, you know, the bride of Christ around the earth. And I think about, you know, the, the little groups around the world that, uh, you know, that I come in contact with. People who are today meeting under a tree somewhere and worshiping the Lord just because they got a burning revelation in their heart that they love the Lord Jesus, they believe He's real. I met him. I'm born again. I'm a son and daughter of God. I want to come together and worship with other believers. They don't have a building. don't have any money. They don't feel like they're a part of much. They don't feel like they're, uh, you know, they're identified with any big group or any big movement or anything else. But you know what? God has his eye upon them just like he has his eye upon you. And God loves them. And God led them to the tree of life just like he led you to the tree of life. And God saved them just like he saved you. And God died on Calvary just like he died for you on Calvary. And he died for them. And one day he's going to bring all of those groups together. 
And it won't matter whether they worshiped under a tree or under a roof like this. It won't matter at all. It'll, it'll, it, our common bond is not the building we worshiped in or the tree we worshiped under. It'll be the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us all from sin. Does that make sense? And Brother Bram's promising us, you can't see it now. You don't see it now. And it's not obvious now. It's not apparent now. But one day, God's going to bring the whole thing together in one great big body of the bride. And we'll all be together. He knows where every one of them are. He knows their sacrifice. He knows their martyrdom. He knows their sacrifice that they made in order to serve God and to love God. And I'm going to bring them all back together. <clears throat> I'm going to bring them all back to the place where they need to be. Because they're all mine. And that's what he promised that he was going to do. And in these seals, Brother Branham uh, clearly describes how, and God reveals to him how this bride has been gathering all through the ages under these horse riders and all of that. And he said, <clears throat> this is what uh, God's influence has been over these years. So <clears throat> back to our text again for a moment. He says, now watch that fig tree and consider it. And all the trees putting forth its buds. He said the Jewish nation's having a revival. The Catholic Church is having a revival. You know what's amazing? And the Baptists under Billy Graham and so forth. The Catholic Church in its day today, I mean, <clears throat> racked with scandal. Racked with, uh, you know, uh, all, all the, uh, uh, the uh, sexual abuse cases and all the rest of it. In the, in the Southern Baptist Convention and all the other things that are going on and the skullduggery that happens in these churches. And yet they still exist. They still go on. And hundreds and hundreds of thousands of millions of people are part of that. The Catholic Church, the biggest church in the world, the entire globe, and people still a part of that. And, and it's, it's not necessarily because, uh, you know, uh, the, these people are moral pillars in the, in the community here, but that's the way that God's shown things to us. That's the way we see it. And we feel like we're Catholic and we got to go to a Catholic church. And so uh, they're a part of that. And Brother Bram said, all of these trees are putting forth their buds at times at hand. And they can go through all kinds of things. And they still stand. They still, have, they still have all this functioning going on in the world and all these programs and so forth that still go on in the world. Imagine if you took one, one thousandth of the scandals that have happened in the Catholic church and brought it into the message community, God forbid, but brought it into the message community. Hey, we'd be hounded by the media until we wouldn't be able to exist and meet together in a building, right? I can make the wrong comment about, uh, you know, uh, different multiracial weddings and marriages and so forth here. Hey, they'd be blowing the doors out of the church. Don't tell me it doesn't happen. It does happen. And our services are they're online and so forth. And you can say the wrong thing and attract a lot of wrong, uh, wrong attention here. But it's amazing, all the scandal and all those different uh, churches and systems that are out there, and they still exist and they still function. And still, you know, manipulate the minds of all these other people here. Let me tell you, it's not because of the, lead, the personalities of leaders. It's prophecy that's holding it all in place. It's prophecy that, that props it all up here. And the time is at hand. There's got to be a shuck and there's got to be a real uh, weed elect in this last day. It's all got to happen. It's all got to come to show what it really is in the last day because that's what happens in the harvest time. Right? We come back to the real thing. We come back to, the, uh, to the, uh, the, the, the actual design of what it really actually is. And so living in the end times then, uh, we have a, a picture painted for us that is actually uh, quite extraordinary. And I, I've shown you some of this before here. 
But we're living in the days of the last Adam. The early church experienced the first Adam, the cornerstone. And it was a grain that fell into the ground and died. But there's also a grain that comes forth after its burial and maturing. Right? Everybody following? Nothing like a picture. It saves a thousand words. Although I'll give it a good shot. And so through all of the ages here, it's built up. That body's built up. People not really understanding all their part uh, to play in the body. But that capstone message finally comes that seals it all together. And you have Christ manifested in the form of the Logos in the body of the bride of Christ. How many believe that? What a great hour we've come. What an understanding we've come to. And, you know, for other people in other ages like the Moravians, I mean, I can just imagine how they would have liked to seen this and figure, ah, that's where we fit in. That's, that's why we're here. That's, that's, that's the, the whole, uh, that's the picture that we needed to see. Instead of just wondering, I mean, imagine how many people came out of that valley like we did, but they came out wondering, I mean, are we right? Are we okay? Nobody loves us. Nobody cares. The government hates us. The churches hate us. Our neighbors don't want us around. And we, we you know, we can't make a living here. We can't sell our, 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 our vegetables in the marketplace, so we're going to have to go to another town or another country or another continent and, and beat about like that and wonder. You know what they needed to see? They needed to see what you're seeing this morning in church here. They needed to see where they fit in. What age are we a part of? Oh, and, and you know, God actually designed it so that there would be people in that martyr age, in that martyr time, who would be missionaries, and God would use circumstances to drive them out. Am I making any sense here? This picture, to me, is worth a thousand worlds for people in other ages who didn't have the insight or a prophet to come and give us a summary like this and realize that what God planted in the very beginning in the early church is what's going to come forth in the very end. And you know what you're going to have? A people in the beginning who believe the word. In, in the day of Pentecost, they believe. They recognize God's word and they believe that. And at the end, you know what? You're going to have the same grain appear in the last day. And there's going to be a people who simply believe the word of God. They're going to believe what's said about our time. They're going to believe Malachi 4 and Revelation chapter 10. Isn't that right? They're going to believe Revelation 10, 8 to 11. They're going to believe all those different parts about living in the last day. And then in the, uh, in, in the prophecies that were given in Acts chapter 15, the debate here uh, in the Jerusalem Council is what they refer to it, is that we have Gentiles that are believing. We have Gentiles that are acting like believers. We have Gentiles that are accepting Christ. We have Gentiles that are uh, bringing forth the life of a, of a born-again Christian here. And, and, the, and these Jews are trying to figure out, well, how, how in the world can this happen? Because they're not people of the covenant at all. But you know what? It's happening. And when we go back in the scripture, we find out the Bible did prophesy of Gentiles. Go down to verse 17. That the residue of men might seek after the Lord and all the Gentiles whom, upon whom my name is called. Who doeth all of these things. And God is actually going to bring in the Gentiles who uh, call upon the name of the Lord. He's going to uh, include the Gentiles in the promises of God. And they're looking at that and trying to figure out how does all this happen. And my goodness, it's happening among us here. And we can't stop it. And they can't stop it because it's, a, it's a, a working of God. It's an outworking of God, right? And, and it's, all, it's all happening. And it declares this. This is now the beginning of the declaration of the bride of Christ. And Brother Bram said, now what, what is it now? He said, we must be about the Father's business. And the wheat would cry back, the grain. What must it do? Vindicate Malachi 4, Luke 17, and so forth. Vindicate all of his word. And let me explain that and just say this. What's the wheat going to do in the last day? The wheat's going to do in the last day what the wheat did in the first day. They're going to cry out the revelation of truth and scripture for that day. 
Isn't that right? In the first age, they cried out that Jesus Christ is not dead. He's alive. He was the promised Messiah. Wake up, everybody. This is he whom the Bible said was going to come. And they were declaring the message of resurrection because that was the word that was revealed and manifested in that last day. And they're saying, you don't need to go back in the pages of the law. Now you look in our hearts. Peter says, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have. Now I have something different than all the other ages had. Now we have something different than the Jewish uh, Pharisees had. Now we have the life of Christ living on the inside. Now, come on. Now we have a power. Help me out. Be half my voice here. Now we have a power. We have a dunamis that lives on the inside. (coughs) Peter said, we can pray for this person here at the gate beautiful and watch him come uh, back up on his feet here and standing and rejoicing and leaping and, you know, praising God for his healing. He says, such as I have. I have something now that other ages, other, other uh, eras didn't have. And he says, now we have that and we thank God for that. And so they're acknowledging the word for their day. If the grain did that in the early church, the grain's going to do that in the last day as well. Because it's not a different grain, it's the same grain. You might only have the 3%, right? Like I showed you on the screen. We might only have the 3%, but it's still grain. It's still a real thing. It's still the same material as what went in the ground in the first place. And so therefore, it, it's not going to be any different. It's going to acknowledge the word of God for their day. And Brother Man goes on and describes that and all the different things that are supposed to happen in our time. And so when we look at chapter 4, uh, after this, after the church age uh, era uh, winds to a close there, John says, I'll show you things which must be hereafter. And the church is seen in chapters 1 to 3. And as we look at it unfold here in chapter 5, we come to the sealed book and the lamb, the line are manifested there. And the lamb steps forth and takes the, the book from the hand of him that held, sat on the throne. And just as chapter 1 sets a scene for uh, seven churches in Revelation 2 and 3, chapter 5 sets a scene now for the opening of the seals. So this is kind of what it would look like. The seven horse, sorry, the four horse riders are described, the white horse, red horse, black horse, and then a pale horse, or the mottled horse, or the horse that has all the colors combined. So everything from the first three horses are all combined in the last one, and that's the age that we find ourselves in. We're at, the, we're at the age where this horse is near the top of the pyramid right here. Everybody following me? Right? We've come through those three stages there, and now we're living at the end. But God, in every age, had somebody to counter those powers that were in the earth. So we had the lion and the ox and the man, and now we live in the eagle age. Aren't you glad you live in an eagle age? An eagle age is where you kind of see it come together, right? The pieces of the puzzle fit back in and all the mysteries and all the loose ends are tied together. And God had a counterbalance for the effect of those four riders that came into the earth. And so in chapter 6, we see that four four seals held a mystery of redemption for the Gentile bride. And the fifth seal holds the mystery of redemption for the Jews. They were the souls under the altar. And the sixth seal is the mystery of redemption for the foolish virgin. Everybody, are you all full yet? This is, there are three things that happen under the sixth seal. And I've been reading that this week, and it's really, uh, it's really an amazing thing. We're going to quit in a minute here, so just stay with me. But the sixth seal is the mystery of redemption for the foolish virgin. So there's three things that happen. One, the foolish virgin is, is uh, and the wise virgin are identified. The 144,000 of Israel are gathered back together. And then the earth also, the earth and nature are affected under the sixth seal. This is not when we are here. This is after the bride is gone. 
The seven seals of the coming of the Lord. So it's not in chronological order in the Bible. And that's why studying this is so important here. And Brother Branham was very careful to uh, lay these things out so clearly for us in the seven seals. And if you haven't read it lately, read it because I'm going to be referring to it here. I think we're in a season uh, where we need to talk about this. And so the picture looks like this. And we find that in this season, Lucifer has a world system that's growing. An antichrist system, right? Because obviously the world can't continue like it's going financially, militarily, nationally. The world can't continue like it has. So the world is, they're clamoring for a superman. Putin wants to be that one. Uh, The leader of China wants to be one, right? The leaders of the U.S. assume they are that one. And, and there, are, there are all kinds of uh, people who have visions for becoming uh, like, a, you know, the stable superpower in the world and uh, be able to control it all their way. And Brother Bram said it's been a cry since the 1960s. It's been a cry for, uh, you know, world dominance here by some superpower and calling for that superman to come and take, the, take the, his position on the top of the pile. Let me tell you, they're all going to be surprised to find out that the one that comes, comes by flatteries, but it's not some political leader who's elected. It's actually the Antichrist. And the whole system will be tied to it by circumstance, not by choice. People are not going to wake up and say, oh, wow. Have you heard about the new Antichrist system? We're thinking of joining. That's not going to be the way. Brother Bram said America will come to the place where it can't pay off its debts. Let me tell you, there's nothing nothing hardly in life more wrenching to experience than come to a place of bankruptcy and have to say, we've got to surrender our house. We've got to give up our vehicles. We don't have anything left now. We don't have anywhere to turn. That's a tough place to be. Can you imagine the, the leaders who are elected politically who will have to get up in front of the nation and say, they'll do this. We're done. Can you imagine? Think about it for a minute. <clears throat> Think about people on Social Security. Think about all the other all the other. Um, <clears throat> All the other programs. Health care in this country. Think about the proportion of health money that's diverted to health care and military operations in this country and Social Security. And the government essentially does this. Now, they're not going to get up and say, you know, we've messed up. You know, they're going to look for a way out. And there is going to be a way out. But when that way out actually takes place, we'll be sold down the river. That's what Brother Graham says. We as Americans, we don't think like that because we don't want to think like that. We as Americans. But God will call the bride out of the church system. Aren't you glad for that? Brother Bram says, I predict, do not prophesy. 1977 will terminate world systems and usher in the millennium. So we're going through changes in the season. In the season of the end, in the season of the harvest, we're going through changes here. And we see things that are happening here. Systems of the world, they change. Everybody realizes that Satan controls all the political powers of the world. All the kingdoms belong to him. And that's the reason they fight. So you've got to ask yourself the question, and what's the role for America in all of this? Because the Bible says he's going to exercise the power of the first beast before him and cause it, the, uh, the, the, the earth and all that therein. All those are, names are not on the book to worship the first beast. You've got to think about what, 
what, what, this, what this actually looks like. And we, we, we want to discuss this when we have just a, a little bit more time here. We want to look at it. But let me just say this. <clears throat> that in this last day, when we come to this, the end of Laodicea, there is to be an extraction of the bride of Christ. And I'm going to end with this diagram here. <clears throat> We're going to end with the extraction of the bride. They're going to be taken away in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. How many believe we're living in the rapture season now? Call it a harvest season or rapture season, whatever else. Now, there's multiple things going to happen in that season, right? There's multiple things going to go on. Let's highlight a few of them here. So it began, that last church age begins in 1909. And then in 1963, we come down where God really focuses and opens up the seven seals. That eagle anointing kicks in to the place where revelation is given to him and understanding is given to him. Uh, by the angel himself, and the seals are open. The seals begin to put together all the loose ends. And now we hear all of a sudden about the rapture and the time that we're living in. We hear about the events that have to precede it. We hear about the people who are going to go in it. We had to hear about the events in the world, what it's going to look like when we leave here. And then all of a sudden, there's, at the end of it, there's a change. There's a shout and a voice and the trump of God, and all of that takes place here. So the seventh seal actually begins back here when it's open because the seals now are off the book. And this covers, sorry for the lack of contrast here, but this covers from 1963 until the end of the millennium. So what happened back there in 1963 actually carries on to the end of the millennium. And everything related to time comes incrementally, step by step, to an end. Even time itself ends. Because when we get out to the new heavens and new earth, there's no more time. There's no more seasons, right? When, we the, when we're in the millennium, there's still time. But all of this is triggered by, all of this happens because God did something very specific in 1963 in opening up those seals, taking the seals off the book, and now the mysteries become apparent, they become real in this last day here. <clears throat> and so... Brother Bram said, now it's hard to say this, but since the opening of these seals and these angels, he said, this has become a new book. This Bible, he said, has become a new book because now he's, open, now he's looking at it without seals on it. He's looking at it without covers on it. He's looking at it without it being bound together. Now it's opened. And, and by that, he's not talking about, uh, you know, a physical new book. He's talking about his understanding of this. These seals are off this now, and the, and the truth of what it all really meant is now available. It's actually understandable. Now just pause for a minute. I'm going to close. I'm just going to say this. <clears throat> we know that seasons overlap, right? Just like, you know, we're, we've arri- we were arriving here in the winter. I mean, in North Carolina, if you call this a winter, it's okay. But uh, and the seasons overlap. <laughs> we know this. It's not summer, right? Let's just say it that way. I always had heard there was only two seasons in North Carolina. <clears throat> winter and orange barrels. That's all I'd ever heard. But nonetheless, seasons overlap. Because as soon as winter's over, construction starts, right? The highways. Ah, orange barrels. Yeah, I get it. Follow me here for a minute. Seasons blend into one another. Brother Ram says in the sixth seal, when this tribulation kicks in, he said that the bride won't be here. We'll be gone. Thank God we'll be gone here. But we're blending into that season of tribulation. We're blending into that time when the world is moving into that slowly, but surely moving into that cycle for them. 
bride's moving in another direction, but the, 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 the world is moving into this tribulation season here. One of the things about the tribulation season, that's when people, they, they, they shout and they, they try to position themselves where they say, let the rocks and the hills and the mountains fall on us to hide us from the wrath that is to come. Because all of a sudden, God now is manifesting himself as a God of judgment and a God of retribution and a God who deals with the Gentiles in a way that they're not used to at all because the Gentiles, we by God's grace, like in America, we've been blessed with lots of comforts and lots of good things and the American dream and everything else. We've been blessed with lots of things over the years. Isn't that right? But all of a sudden now, things change. and Things are not in the, in the tribulation season. Let me tell you, it's not the same because now there are not the resources there that we had just because you know, we, we were a blessed nation and we supported Israel. All of that stops. Brother Bram said it all ends. All of, that, all of that goes away. And there's no blood left on the mercy seat, and it's all gone. And as a result of that, there's all kinds of things that are being said in that time. All the hatred and the, and the, you know, the, the anger and everything else comes out in that season. And we, we'll, we'll take a time to look at it. If you read the sixth seal, you'll see all of those, those spirits that were bound. All of a sudden, they become manifested, and all the violence and the hatred and the anger and all of that comes out. And what I'm saying to you is that because seasons overlap, we're seeing in our world more and more violence and anger, indiscriminate crime, abominable things that are being done, and things that don't make sense anymore. And people who are, uh, you know, they shake their fist at God and, uh, you know, they, they just, they just want to have nothing to do with it. They're trying to get away from uh, the inevitable things that are taking place. And I will tell you this, that, uh, you know, I appreciated Brother Matthew Watkins last Sunday when he was, and I talked to him extensively after the service because I listened and uh, we were talking about specific things that he said. And one of the things that he said was very interesting. He said, one of the most useless things he said that I know of is for preachers to fight preachers. He said, what a silly thing, what a foolish thing that that is. He said, for, for ministers within the same message, he said, to be arguing with one another and disagreeing with one another. What a waste of time that is. What an absolute waste of time that is. And you know, you know what the problem is? That there are spirits that are loosed because we're moving into a season. And if we're not careful, those spirits can affect people who live in the season prior to that one actually coming to pass. And we as Christians, I believe that we as believers of the message, we have to be very careful that, you know, as people, people take sides over different issues and people, you know, take issue with somebody, well, they're saying that and they're not like me and I'm not. Hey, <clears throat> I don't find anywhere in the Bible where it says, thus saith the Lord, you need to be like Happy Valley or you need to be like Cloverdale or you need to be like some, you need to be like, you believers all need to act the same way. I don't find that anywhere in Scripture. I don't find anywhere where in the Bible where it says, Thus saith the Lord, you shall dance. Or, Thus saith the Lord, you shall speak in tongues. Or, you shall... I don't find anywhere in the Bible where it says that. I don't find anywhere where Brother Branham says that we all need to act a certain way, worship a certain way. I... Hey, come on, folks. I'm not trying to scare you away. I'm just saying <clears throat> there's a lot of things out there that come because of the season that we're living in. It's not necessarily because we've got evil people among the message. I'm not suggesting that at all. I'm just saying that there are spirits out there that are trying to distract you and make you feel like, well, you know what? I, somebody said I needed to be like this or somebody said I needed, we needed to do that. You, know, you need to follow what the Word says. 
You need, to, you need to be under the leadership of the Holy Spirit and you need to be making sure that you're doing exactly what God wants you to do. And the best thing for you to be is you. The best thing for you to be is you. You under the, under the pressure of the Holy Spirit trying to bring out of you the real wheat, the real kernel of eternal life. You want to pray and say, Lord, bring out of me divine love, perfect love. That's what God wants to see in us. He doesn't want to see a whole bunch of gifts, and he doesn't want to see a repeat of Brother Ram's ministry. You know what? God did a good job with Brother Ram's ministry and displayed it to the world. I think he did pretty good in the season they were living in. I mean, even without Internet. Imagine the world without social media and Internet. But he did. He got the message around the whole world, and it's still going around the whole world. I think he did a pretty good job. He's not raised up, uh, you know, a million William Branhams to, to, to uh, continue that. Not at all. He raised you up to be you. And he raised me up to be me. And as a member of the bride of Jesus Christ, what he's looking for is the qualities of a bride in us expressed in the way that God placed in you. And that's exactly what he wants you to be. He wants you to be you under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. He wants you to be you worshiping in spirit and in truth. He wants you to be you living the Christian life until God shuts it down and takes the bride home and says, that's it, we're shutting it down, now it's time to go. That's exactly what he's looking for. You know that? He's not looking for us to try to keep up with anybody. He's not looking for us to try to uh, be the leader of the pack. He's just trying for you to be you because he called you because your name was on the Lamb's Book of Life. And we had to be very careful that we have to keep our guard up, that we don't fall prey to the spirits that are out there that are going to be manifest in a great way in the, in the season to come, which is the tribulation season, right? And, and all the persecution that comes and all the different things that take place after the bride is gone. Because remember, after the bride is gone, it's shut down. There's no more mercy. And you can imagine the, 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 I mean, imagine the mindset of people when they realize there's no mercy left and there's no I mean, we thought there was supposed to be a message come, and here we are in tribulation. This is clearly tribulation. Imagine the lawlessness. We know a little bit about lawlessness now. But imagine the lawlessness when you come to that place where people have no respect for authority or government or, or ministers or churches or the Bible or moral boundaries or anything else. No respect for any of that because they realize, hey, it's, it's over. It's, we're lost. It's gone. Imagine the dawning on people when all of that takes place. Thank God we're not going to be here. Folks, thank God we're not going to be here. The bride's going to be gone. But imagine living in that time. And what I'm saying, simply saying is that that spills over to the age prior because seasons overlap. And we don't want to be affected by that. And a lot of times, hey, there are people who see things because that's the way they've been shown. And if we have an understanding of things in Scripture, we ought to be thanking God for that understanding of Scripture and thanking God for the revelation we have, thanking God for His mercy and His goodness to us. Because we are a very blessed people to, uh, to know what we know, to have what we have, to enjoy what we enjoy. We're a blessed people to have, uh, you know, the, uh, the exact words of a prophet that came and then God continuing to quicken that word and unfold it to us. I'll tell you what, I believe we're a blessed people. I believe we're a privileged people who've been called to live in this last day and to be able to enjoy all of these things that God has unfolded for us. It's not because we're smarter, not because we're better, but it's just God by his grace chose us to live in this last day. Let's stand to our feet. Let's have our musicians come. But I will tell you that those, those spirits are real. Those spirits that try to disrupt the unity 
among God's people. Those spirits are real. <clears throat> Those spirits are powerful, and they have an influence. In the same way that spirits are powerful enough to prop up denominational systems that are full of scandal and, and racked, racked with scandal, and, and yet, yet they still function, yet they still... I mean, it's, it's amazing. People just don't agree to shut it down, but it still functions here, and it's prophecy that holds the whole thing up. All the nations of the world, practically, all the nations of the world against Israel, and they can't shut it down. Why can't they shut it down? Because prophecy holds it up. <coughs> and when prophecy holds it up, you can't shut it down. When God maintains it, let me tell you, it's going to happen just exactly the way that God says. And nothing's going to change it. Nothing's going to, uh, nothing's going to alter God's uh, declared uh, intent for, for things to happen. And I'm so grateful that we are a part of that uh, group in the last day that have <clears throat> the blessing of his presence among us. I'll tell you what, we are blessed. <clears throat> well, let's sing and worship a little bit. Sorry for my scratchy voice here. And, uh, <clears throat> but I, I, I just want to, we just want to take a little time and worship him. Let's sing that little course. We're coming back to the heart of worship. Let's sing that this morning, if you don't mind. <clears throat> when and let's the just worship music for a plays, and all is swept away, and I simply come, longing just to bring something that's
so sweet. Sounded sweet when you sang it the first time this morning at the very beginning. And you know, a sweetness is something we can enjoy at the moment. Imagine what it's going to be like after the bride goes. There'll be no sweetness left in this world. Your job, let me tell you, if, if you haven't figured it out yet, your job over, over your time here until you leave this earth is to keep that relationship with Christ sweet. Keep it soft. Keep it gentle. Keep it, keep it tender. Because the devil's trying to do everything he can to bring all kinds of spirits in there to harden you against God. Harden you against people. Harden you against, you know, different uh, things that take place in the world. And you become indifferent. You become calloused. And, and when, when, we, when we become that way in our spirit, we, we lose that sweetness. And the Holy Spirit wants you to be able to worship him in spirit and in truth and in unity and in peace and in sweetness. That's what he loves. You know why? Because that's what it's going to be like when we get over there. Amen. And he wants you to just step over and transition into that place in a very smooth way. But I will tell you, the world is filled with all kinds of stuff that's trying to do everything it can to make you indifferent, make you callous, make you hard, and, and make you throw up your hands and say, well, it doesn't matter. And, you know, it, it, it's just too hard. Let me tell you, he brought us to this hour because he knew he could hold us in this hour. He brought us to this hour because he knew he could get us through. 
No matter how hard it gets, God's always got a way. And we believe in that. We believe in his ability to see us through. Do you believe that this morning? Oh, come, let us us adore him. experience again the sweetness of your presence among us. It's a sweetness we don't find at our jobs and our schools. It's a sweetness, Lord, that we we experience when the people of God come together. And Lord Jesus, it just speaks to our hearts about a time when we all will come together. We'll never have to say goodbye. We'll never have to shake hands and part company. But Lord, we shall be together for eternity. And I pray now, Lord, you would just continue, Lord, to soften our hearts and We realize the world is full of the enemies of the people of God, just like the world is full of enemies for Israel. But Lord Jesus, you are greater. And because you stand for Jerusalem, Lord, she will never fall. We pray, Heavenly Father, now that you would just, Lord, wrap your hands around each one, Lord, that's gathered here today, and especially those who are sick, Lord. We place them into your hands. We lift them up before the throne of grace and mercy. And Lord, let your healing virtue flow, and may nothing hinder the moving of the Holy Spirit. Touch bodies, touch lives, touch hearts and touch minds, Lord. And Father, we'll give you all the glory you deserve because you are worthy. And I pray, dear God, that you would minister now to this assembly and help us, Lord, always be a place where your presence is welcome. And Lord, we think of the people like the Moravians, Lord. Sometimes we may not understand fully how we fit in, And so, Lord, I pray that you would continue to help us to see we're a part of a great body that you have chosen. You've had your eye upon us, and you will have your hand upon us until we leave this earth. We love you, and we thank you, Lord. Minister to your people now, we pray. In Jesus' lovely name, amen.
God bless you today. Thank you for coming, singing as you go this morning. And uh, we'll give him all the glory and the honor and the praise. Are you glad you came to church today? Amen. I'm glad I'm here. I'm glad. <clears throat> I just, I love this presence. And I, I just appreciate being back in the, in the channel again. So may God bless you. And uh, pray for those who are not well, especially Brother Wayne tomorrow at noon, having the surgery. And uh, we'll see you on Wednesday night. Oh, come let us adore.